And now a word from our sponsors. All her life, Joan placed herself into the hands of men who failed her. Joan does the unthinkable for a woman in 1960, leaving her small town of Gainesfield. As an accomplished musician, Joan served her country in the first ever women's Air Force band, San Antonio, Texas. She unwittingly becomes part of a brainwashing experiment. After her Air Force service, returning to society is particularly hard for Joan, so much so that she has spent a good deal of her life in a mental institution. As a patient in a VA hospital, Joan is found murdered. Small-town secrets, whispers behind closed doors, stolen records, serve to solve the mystery of what the hell happened to Joan. This book is a work of fiction, but very well could have happened. This is not a test. This is your annual announcement. This year we are offering Scarefair, which will be held on Saturday, October 30th at the San Bernardino County Fairgrounds in Victorville, California. Gates open at 9 a.m. and close at 9 p.m. General admission tickets are only $22 in advance and $25 at the door. VIP tickets are $45 in advance and $50 at the door while supplies last. In the morning, we will be offering trick-or-treating for the kids throughout our vendors. And for the adults, we have tons for you as well. Come meet horror icons like Joe Bob Briggs, Elaine Dietz from The Exorcist, Dr. Satan himself, Walter Feynman, and John Massari, who composed Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Don't forget that we have the psychotic carnival of thrills, where you become part of a horror story. Then, when the sun goes down, enjoy our live music as Roadwork opens for American Zombie, a Rob Zombie spook show. That's not enough? Okay, how about a Scream Queen contest hosted by the ladies of the Taki Horror Podcast Show? Or our cosplay contest, one for the kiddies and one for the adults. So gather your courage and come join the fun. For more information, go to www.pcehd.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hello, and welcome to My Public Life as American Nerd. My name is Eddie, and today we have somebody, but let me let me um, explain something to everybody. Um, we're doing an event in October, October 30th, Scare Fair in San Bernardino, at the San Bernardino Fairgrounds in Victorville, okay? There would not be a Scare Fair if there was not a Jason Pop Culture Expo. Because Scarefair is a branch off of Jay Zoman Pop Culture Expo. Now, Jay Zoman was Jay Zoman. Jay Zoman is a publication company. And today I have with me one of the board members of the 
of the publication company, Jason One. And she's also an author. She's also a writer. She's also a chief editor. Um, she's written books such as The Chosen. And the other book was, be, um, let me see. The Chosen and this the, is Eternally Bound. Oh, Eternally Bound, yes. Uh, <laughs> and she's, she's Stephanie Barty. I am going to plug my wares. She's definitely Stephanie Barty. She's going to be at Scarefair. She's going to have a booth. Um, welcome aboard. Thanks. Long time since I've actually been on this side of an interview. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She oh. also has her own uh, podcast uh, called Lupe's Bits. Or not, Lupa's. Um, Lupa's, Lupa's Bits. Bit. Lupa's Bits. Love and podcast. that's on um, Jay's own podcast. It's a mm-hmm. Jay's own podcast. A podcast called Lupe's Bits. Um, kind of a free for all. <laughs> you used to uh, do another podcast for. Uh, I did. I Myth, right? um, originally, um, way back when, um, Mike Lutz and I did the World of Myth Bits. We started the World of Myth Bits. And then um, I kind of outgrew it. So Joe and Jenna took over and I started Lupe's Bits. And the rest, as they say, is history. Um, speaking of World of Myth, there also is a World of Myth magazine, and you're a chief oh, yeah. editor on that magazine as well, correct? Oh, yes, I am. Um, I've been editing for the World of Myth magazine since 2019. January 1st, actually, is when I took over as managing editor in 2019. The magazine itself has been around for 17 years, so it's not a new magazine, and I kind of moved my way up from managing editor i'm now editor-in-chief of the world of myths so i'm enjoying that i'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon it's, it's fun i get to read a lot of different stories i get to read a lot of different poetry i get to look at a lot of different artwork so it kind of fuels my own creative spark i guess no you blank on a word <laughs> Watching an watching an author blank on a word is a scary sight. <laughs> no, no, you've been um, writing for over twenty years, correct? Yes, yes. And how did? <laughs> I was actually talking um, to um, a friend of mine last night, and I was recounting a story that I had written, and I realized I had written it in, I think we figured out it was nineteen eighty five. So I was 14 when I wrote it. So yeah, long time. Yeah, I was going to ask what age did you start writing and what kind of books did you start writing or stories, I should say. Um, I started creating when I was four or five. I would do, I'd get all my little stuffed animals together and I would do little skits. I'd write little plays um, and I would perform them for my family. And one of them I did that I remember distinctly was I took Kenny Rogers cassette, the one that had Ruby, don't take your love to town. Um, Not the gambler. Lucille, Lucille, all of those on it. Yeah. It was his greatest hits. The gambler was on there. They were all on there. And I actually acted out each and every song with my little, you know, I made each and each one of the songs a production. Um, I think it was about five or six when I did that. Well, believe it or not, I know Kenny Rogers. My mom loves Kenny Rogers. So as I was growing up, that would be played on records as I was growing up. 
watching the gambler, listening to the gambler, listening to mm-hmm. Lucido, and uh, listening to him with uh, Dolly Parton, and yeah. So I'm very familiar I with King Arthur. <laughs> Yeah. As soon as you say Kenny and Dolly, it's like that one. My mom actually That's is a big one. Kenny Rogers. And she's got the Kenny and Dolly Christmas album. Oh, yeah. Notice my the mom torch. I have been listening to that thing since as long as I can remember. And I, I, at one point in time, my dad got so tired of listening to it. He actually like used it as a Frisbee and flung oh. it outside. <laughs> he had it on repeat. Like, and like it's a it's a LP, it's an actual vinyl. So to yeah. put it on repeat, you've got to like set it up so that the needle comes up goes back, goes back down. drops down <laughs> she had like i think it was like the eighth time it was um the week before christmas like the eighth time it had played through and he just picked it and just threw it up out the front door into the snowbank and yeah she had a new one the next day now you are from canada were you born and raised in canada born and raised in, in ontario and you're in a small town you said uh population 6,000 Sutton. yeah it's uh it's a little bit of a cultural difference for me I was born in North York in Toronto and Toronto's got close to almost three million people in it now including all the suburbs or not including all the suburbs and then I moved to Barrie which is sitting at about I think 400,000 people and then when I was in grade three we moved to Midland um, and that is sitting at 17,000 people. Yeah, so I kind yeah. of like smaller, smaller, smaller. Yeah. And then I moved from Midland um, over a year, almost a year and a half ago to Sutton. So I went from 17,000 people to 6,000 people. And do you get to Ontario often? I live in Ontario. You live in Ontario? close That's to the Ontario. province. Okay. Ontario is the province. Sutton is the town. Well, I'm talking about the, the actual city of Ontario. Um, not there not city, no city, but, no city, but Toronto? The, the, yeah, Toronto, I guess. Um, I drive by it when I go to my sister's. I try to avoid Toronto. It's kind of uh, Canada's, it's Canada's answer to Los Angeles. So most people that live in California that I talk to will avoid Los Angeles as, as best they possibly can. That's kind of Toronto. Even those that live in Toronto don't want to be there. Yeah. Um, throughout the years, LA's gotten really bad. I, I've been spending a lot of time in Los Angeles these last uh, few months. And going back to some of the areas that are really, really seedy um, and actually working in those areas and stuff like that, it, it's gotten really bad, but I kind of miss the crime, it. Yeah, the crime is is getting up there in Toronto. But mostly it's the traffic because there are so many people. They haven't updated the infrastructure of the roads. So, I mean, you can get in your car and drive for three hours to Hmm. leave Toronto and still be in Toronto. Yeah, that sounds like me being up in Victorville. I live in Victorville, which is an outskirt of even San Bernardino County. So I live further than than yeah out in san bernardino county yeah when i came and, up for pce i actually stayed in victorville yeah and then when we drive down to let's say i went to orange county this past weekend it took me one hour and five minutes to get to get from victorville to santa Ana. um one hour and five minutes without traffic whatsoever and i got there okay mm-hmm. but the miles were just a tremendous amount of miles now i could have drove around los angeles 
less miles, but triple the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I If I'm going to go anywhere in Toronto proper, like there's all the suburbs. There's North York, there's Mississauga, there's Scarborough, there's Pickering. They're all the outlying burbs around Toronto. If I actually have to go into Toronto, I will park at my friend's place in North York and take the subway. I won't drive in the city. I, no. And I mean, trying to park in Toronto, you're going to pay 25 bucks. Yeah. In a parking lot yeah, that, a, you know, you might come back to and not have tires. Yeah. Kind of like San Francisco. San Francisco, you don't even need a car because of the transportation systems. Yeah. Their, their transportation systems are awesome. They have the BART system. They have trolleys. They have buses. And I would love to ride so many different. Yeah, the trolleys yeah. are fun and so many different ways to get from point A to point B without being in a car. Now, cars, when you have to park a car, you're paying like $100 overnight if you're staying in a hotel. So it's best yeah. not even to rent a car, just take yeah. the, the public transportation, which is fine. Yeah. Now, now, I I looked up Stephanie Barty to get some There's information. And the other one, She's French. Is she's rich? Is that what she said? French. Oh, French. Okay. Yes, okay. she's a French author from Quebec. Okay, that might be a, that, that that might be a different Stephanie Barty because the Stephanie Barty that I saw that first popped up was a paranormal investigation. That would be me. That's you. Okay, that is <laughs> that you. That would be me. Okay, that is I, me. I, I could not beyond see the face. known paranormal. Beyond that the norm. Me. Yep. Beyond the norm. Okay. Yep. How long have you been See, doing that? Oh. Uh, and are you still uh, doing it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My paranormal kit's actually right over there. Okay. Beside my couch. Because, you know, I live in a very, like I said, I live in a small town, but it's a very old town. Um, the building I actually live in is about 300 years old. Mm-hmm. So, and the river behind us has known a lot of death. I have been a paranormal investigator, actively investigating for about 15 years. I've done, um, I had a team. I do have still a partial team. Uh, we're kind of spread out over the province. So it's hard for us to get together, but we've gone in, we've done house clearings. We've gone in and we've done um, cleansings of actual people. We've, most of the work that we do in the paranormal field, and you can ask any paranormal investigator, they will tell you the odds of going in and finding an actual haunting are a lot rarer than you would imagine. I mean, I have stories. Mm. I've been doing it for 15, like actively but, doing But have they been caught on film? That's the thing. Yes, I do actually have documented okay. proof. Um, I have EVPs. I've got um, video of the K2 going off as questions are being asked and it's responding. Um, but those incidences are few and far between. Mm-hmm. In 15 sure. years, I've got maybe a handful of actual non-refutable. And I mean, you can still make arguments. Most of it is debunking. It's like, okay, no, that's not exactly somebody banging on your walls. You need to take that screwdriver behind that your house and fix your pipes. <laughs> That's the house, the card lights yeah. behind the house reflecting well, on the window of, and it coming through. <laughs> a lot of times people think, oh, they say there's, there's, we hear footsteps, we hear banging on the walls. Well, you go down in the basement and you look at the pipes. 
there's usually a metal bracket that holds the pipe to the stud. A lot of times that bracket has come loose. So when the water runs through, the pipes rattle and they bang against the wood, which will sound, if it's slightly loose, it'll sound like footprints. If it's even more loose, it'll sound like banging on the walls. Heating ducts. When they're heating and they're cooling, they pop and they crack. I don't know if you have heating ducts. I don't know. Um, no, we don't. Uh, <laughs> our, we, I don't think you, okay. guys, you guys have furnaces, right? It, it's, uh, yeah. Well, no, we, ha- we have an air conditioning system. Our air conditioning system and heater is above the roof. And then the, the system goes into the, the mm-hmm. vents that drop down the roof, or the ceilings. But we do hear... This is an older house. Um, the aluminum no, ductwork. We hear a lot of the 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 old wood and um, yeah, the old um, drywall because it's an older drywall um, cracking. Like you can actually hear, and, and it's a specific yeah. time. And I think it's a specific time because there's so much activity that's going on during the day with kids walking around, noise. Yeah, you TV, don't hear so it. We don't hear it. So when we're lying night, in bed. You're hearing yeah. creaking. Now yeah. we could almost identify it to the T of what time we're we're actually hearing yeah. the same noise every single night. Now there have been well, like, I, raccoons, I tell... raccoons on our ceiling yeah. or something like that. But Squirrels. a lot of things I tried to do is debunk. <laughs> I debunk myself. Yeah. Like, did, it, yeah. did something touch me? Did, was that something touch me? Was that a nerve pulsating? Was that you know and. I try to do the yeah. same thing well, with the with the paranormal too. Like I've held classes, I've done workshops, I've had students where I've taught them what I know. And the first thing I tell them is you always go in to disprove. Telling me my internet connection is unstable. Hang on a second, I'll fix that. Actually, we got you pretty good. Now, okay. now when you go into a house and you're saying, okay, mm-hmm. first thing you're going to do is debunk it. Um, do they get frustrated because no, nope. there's really a ghost here, nope. and you're saying no, well, let, they, let's find out. And most we have had a few that desperately want it to be a ghost mm-hmm. because they want the attention. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one particular case where they were actually using their seven year old child, saying that this entity was attacking the child in very inappropriate ways. Um, in talking to the child, it had come out, there was a lot more going on within the family and they just wanted the attention. The mom wanted the attention kind of Munchausen's by proxy via paranormal, (laughs) you know, where instead of making her sick and going to the hospital, she was saying she was possessed or she was being haunted or she was being attacked so that we would keep coming repeatedly. And when One group would say, okay, you know what? You're not doing the things we told you to do. You're not following through. We can't help you anymore. They would move on to the next group in the area. Um, They've actually been blacklisted in Ontario. Nobody in the province will help them. Because we all talk. We all compare notes. We all visit the same haunted locations, like the big public ones. We all go to the same places. And then if we get something, it's like, okay, did you get this? And were you in this spot and got evidence? You know, because the paranormal field is very, it's very hard to prove scientifically, unequivocally, that life after death exists. We want to believe that it does, but um, 
There's no, no way. To, no, no. What do you believe? It. What, what? I believe do you there is. Believe? You believe? I do. Is. I've the experiences that I've had. Um, no. The, do you believe that there's different spirits, or it's all the same bad spirit, or are they yeah. assisting as good spirits? Um, my experience has been there are negative entities. Yes, there are positive entities. I have. Um, I have the ability to channel the dead. They, I can, I get images, I get um, smells, I get sounds, I will get thoughts and words in my head that aren't mine, and I will relay them to the person I happen to be with. I have no control over um, what I'm, oh, sorry. <laughs> I do work from home, so I actually have somebody kind of trying to get my attention at the moment, um, and I have to tell her that I'm in the middle of an interview. Now, with smells, okay, because every once in a while, like I said, we live in an older home here, and every once in a while, we'll get a strange scent of like a perfume or a cologne that none of us have ever bought or worn or never would buy or wear, but it's Mm -hmm. a strong scent. That, um, okay, without, um, is it flowery? musky mm. um it okay to debunk it could be somebody walk is it the same scent every time mm. so you put the paranormal investigator in me now <laughs> it's 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 usually a um like an older man cologne really musky mm-hmm. smelling oh once like a, old spice once, no uh muskier than old spice yeah um but it is a cologne and there's also um, sometimes a woman's perfume that is that um, it's like a, a real deep rosy scent and not any of her perfume is like that at all yeah. but the the, yeah. the the perfume one is rare but the musky scent is very common my gut feeling is to say that it's just a passing like you said your house is old mm-hmm. which means other people have lived there right uh, oh yes i know when i die there are places that were my favorite places that i'm going to re- want to revisit if they've had happy memories in this house they could just be passing through you know checking in on seeing making sure y'all are taking care of their house it could be um a residual haunt which is um something kind of like a videotape of energy that just keeps playing on a loop. They yeah. can't interact. They're not cognitively, cognitively aware that you're there. It's just an energetic imprint on the space. So, but yeah, I, I will get smells. I'll get sounds. I was actually with a friend and we were just kind of driving around doing our thing, just chit-chatting. And I completely channeled somebody from their past. I've never met this person. I don't know this person from Adam. I They had told me very little about this person, but I was able to bring up details that only this person and the deceased would know. I was saying certain phrases that were this person's, you know, typical things that they would say to this person when they would be in a goofball or something. Um, I have no control over it. I really wish I did because, you know, mm-hmm. I could probably make a couple of shekels doing it, yeah. but I have no control over it. It just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. I get energetic feelings when i go into places i'll i can tell you 
the minute I set foot on a property, if there's a spirit there, if there's a negative energy there, if there's something there, I know, I just know it's like paranormal radar. (laughs) Now, this is somewhat of a phenomenon because within the last, I'd say, um, 15 to 10 years, this has become more of a, um, something that's on different channels like um, the Mm -hmm. the discovery channel the travel channel the um almost everything has paranormal paranormal. and paranormal movies and stuff like that now is there one specific one that you enjoy and is there one specific one that you cannot stand okay um i like ghost hunters they're more mm. analytical about their approach but the one that i enjoy the most and the one that i hate the most <laughs> is, is it the, the same? exact same show it's the exact same show Zach? that's the one <laughs> yeah. i spend when i watch the show me and um my my best friend's sister my soul sister i call her her she is the medium on our on my paranormal team she is far better than i am she calls me a baby medium because i'm still learning she has been That's Ghost Adventures, by the way. Yes, Ghost Adventures. With Zach, Aaron, Billy, and Jay Wosley. And I really like Jay Wosley. Jay Wosley is, he's just, yeah. Was he the younger one that's doing his own show? There's a younger one that branched off and he does. Oh, you're show. thinking Nick but, Groff. Um, yeah. He was the one of the original guys. Yeah. It was um, now Zach and, Zach and Nick. Produces Zach his and show. Nick met it well they started it started as a documentary on youtube their very first show was a documentary that they did on youtube and it was um zach and aaron have known each other for years and years and years zach met nick in college and they shared a common interest in yeah i know a lot about them um they shared a common interest in the paranormal and they did this documentary of the washoe club in Somewhere in Nevada, I believe. It's in, in the Virginia City, I think. Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I they had some there. pretty extreme experiences. Mm-hmm. And the Travel Channel went, ooh, they're charismatic. They're ridiculous. Aaron screams like a girl. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, if I had to choose one of the three to hang out with and, you know, like have a beer with and pick his brain, it would be Aaron. Because Zach is a big chicken. He won't go into the big, bad, scary no, places. No, he sends Eric. He I mean, will Aaron. send Aaron, Aaron into yeah. the big, bad, Aaron, scary places. Aaron. And now Aaron's kind of put his foot down and went, no, no, dude. So now they send poor Billy. Poor little Billy. And he ends up, he's ended up in tears a few times. But every single episode, Zach does something that is a paranormal investigator no-no. And I want to go thunk on his forehead and i know if i ever go to the haunted museum and he's there i am not going to be able to control myself and that's actually provoking I will be the banned ghost. from Nevada. <laughs> provoking the the ghost uh, no now provoking um you can provoke but you need to be prepared you need to make sure like you'll hear him talking on the show about grounding about shielding yourself against what you go in and jay usually before each show will put a shield of protection around all of them. Uh, Generally, you envision a white light around you. It depends on what your spiritual belief is, what you do. Um, A lot of it will sage before they go in. They will use sage and they will cleanse before they go in. And then they will use sage and cleanse when they come out. 
he goes in and the words that, that bother me the most, because he doesn't do the necessary protection, unless they're cutting it out, but reading his books, listening to all of his after crap, um, <laughs> that's after crap. He doesn't do the necessary steps to protect himself when he offers up his own personal energy for the spirit to use. You can do that. I've done it. Unfortunately, recently I did it without, again, taking the necessary steps. And I ended up having a very negative, very traumatic experience. Um, He does it all the time. He did a series of what he called his dungeon recordings in his dungeon in his own house and he was playing around with EVP. you never bring your work home you're a paranormal investigator you do not bring your work home you don't bring your work home um he had eventually had to move from that house mm-hmm. he bought uh what was toted as the demon house the demon i don't house, know if you've yeah. seen that movie yes yes um, that's well, why I, he wears I, the he, had really a, he has a whole ugly... documentary on the demon yes. house yeah, but before the documentary on the Demon House, he did the actual show, which he goes out and does an investigation at the house, yeah. and then it turned into a. And then he bought the house, and then he bought the house and put the steps the inside house. of his yeah. museum. Yeah, yeah. Documentary, um, that the rumor mill in the paranormal community is that is what broke Aaron's back or Nick's back. That's pretty much when Nick separated from the group. Now, um, when you go and do your investigations, do you feel um, a loss of energy in yourself? Or, uh, or, or I used that, to. Yeah. Okay. I used to because I wasn't protecting my own personal energy. And now before I go into a place, I will say a prayer. I will protect myself. I will shield myself. And I carry talismans that will ward off anything and prevent anything from jumping in and catching a ride we are tired at the end of an investigation um because you are expending that energy to protect yourself if i do open up and allow a spirit to use my energy or to communicate through me oh yeah i'm wiped for at least two days after now you're traveling out to california i am and you're going to be here the weekend of the october 30th devil's night Zach's museum is only two hours from here. Yes, I'm aware. (laughs) (laughs) And it's such a Uh, good weekend. actually a conversation I was going to have with Rebecca. I have not been there. I would love to go there, and we do want to go there. It it is totally on my bucket list. Yeah, that's that's totally a place that I want to go to, including a lot of places that he has been to. Now, I talked to the Grim Life Collective about this, so so they go to a lot of places. They've been doing this for their their uh youtube channel has been going from place to place coast to coast mm-hmm. but the one place i want to go to is where aaron grew up and that is at the um the hunt it, i know it's not caught the haunted forest enchanted forest but um, oh, in oregon. it's in oregon yeah the music, oh, the music park. Park. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it's yeah. still running they still have it running but they yeah. have it closed down right now but that little did, girl that drowned in the lake Oh no no no! That one, that one was that. That's another one. Oh no, his was the Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, the, the Hansel, Hansel and Gretel house. Yeah, the okay, Hansel yeah. and Gretel house that's up in Oregon. That him and his sister had the experience. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I would love to go there. And this is a lot of places that um, I have. Um, actually, I have a couple of like four or five bucket lists 
I have my paranormal bucket list. I want to go to Penn State Penitentiary. Mm-hmm. I want to go to driven by uh, it many I, times, but never been yet. I want to go to the Washoe Club. Obviously, I want to go to um, Zach's Haunted Museum just because I want to see some of the artifacts. I am also a collector of haunted objects. My own. Um, so I would like to see his collection and see what's what you know what's going on. Um, I also have a musical bucket list, which I'm hoping if the border is open and I can drive to California, I want to be able to do this. I Eagles, I will be driving through Winslow, Arizona. I am going to stand my. Are they playing? Are, are they going to have a concert? No, no, no. no but the song, for, yeah, the song, you know, take it easy. Yeah. The line in the song is Winslow, yeah. stand on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. I am going to stand on a corner in Winslow, Arizona and take a selfie. That's part of my musical bucket list. I want to go to Ventura Boulevard from the Tom Petty song. I want, like, you know, all of these places that are named in songs are places I want to go to. Yeah, Ventura Boulevard is something. Uh, There's a lot of good food there. I love Ventura Boulevard. The one place I um I was out in Memphis one year when I was working. I used to travel a lot. I used to be out traveling 13 days out of the the month and be home for 13 days. And one time when I was in Memphis, I was getting gas and I stopped at a gas station and it was raining really hard. I start pumping my gas and I see this car stopped in the middle of the street. And I'm looking over, and then another car comes from the, the direction, stops in the middle of the street, and they get out of the car to take a picture. Then I see motorcycles come, and they do the same thing. And I'm looking, and I looked over to, for a little further to my right, and there was Sun Studios mm-hmm. right in front of me. Oh, where wow. Elvis Presley recorded, where Chuck Berry recorded, where yeah. um, Johnny Cash recorded. Yeah. And it's a little studio, and I had to just run over there and take a couple of shots of it, too. But yeah. I, it was it was something like I was in awe about. I was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe it's right there in the middle of this little tiny city. Yeah. And it's sitting right there, and they still use it. Uh, they don't use it. I think they used it as a radio station at the time. But I was just like in awe. It was raining. I ran out in the middle of the rain to take a picture. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that was right. one of the things that would have been on a bucket list for me to go see, but I happened to see it by chance. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of places and a lot of bands that I would like to see. I'm a, I'm a music <laughs> lover. Just, yeah. yeah. I was, oh, me too. My, my life runs on a soundtrack, and I have, I can relate to just about any. Any moment in time in my life, I can relate it to a song. Mm. Doesn't matter what's happening. You know, I can connect with the lyrics. I guess that comes from being a writer. I connect to the lyrics of a song. I connect to the emotion that the song is trying to portray. A lot of times I will listen to a song and it's not necessarily what the artist was trying to portray, but I take it kind of pertaining to my own life situations. My, 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 um, remembrance of a song comes from a feeling i don't know it's kind of weird Mm -hmm. a feeling of um 
a nostalgic feeling of that time and period i would hear the song and know exactly what i was doing at that moment in time and a lot of those songs i just and there's certain songs that are really weird because it would be like oh you like that song no i don't like the song i just remember the song like yeah. Blue Bayou, that that song is yeah. like a song that you yeah. would never expect me to even know, and yeah. it sticks in my head because I remember going to a Swami when I was a kid, and I was probably only like four years old, and I used to hear it off of the speakers at a drive-in during the mm-hmm. day because it was a Swami, and yeah. uh, and there's certain songs um, that that hit me, yeah. and it, a specific note of the song would just bring me back to that time and feeling of what that yeah. is not necessarily auditory memory yeah and uh yeah. my life my entire life is 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 based upon the music or or songs that i've had experiences with yeah and yeah. i actually have a a um on spotify a list and the play this is um um the track list of my life and it just mm-hmm. plays all those memorable nice. songs and it's got nice. over a thousand something songs yeah yeah just it's nice i i was i have, able... I have playlists for everything <laughs> i was able i have playlists for house cleaning i have playlists for out. <laughs> i have playlists for writing um i actually have one called jaselmon work playlist <laughs> so if i'm working on stuff for the company this is the music that i have to listen to <laughs> why but i need it it's kind of like background so that it keeps that creative side of me quiet so that i can do the the work stuff and then i can do the creative stuff now can you listen to music while you're writing yes yes interesting okay um yeah it does like when i was writing eternally bound i had a specific kind of playlist i had songs by um lorena mckinnett i got a lot of celtic songs on there um a lot of underquited love songs on there a lot of um past lives kind of songs and i would just kind of play and it it was only about i think 13 or 14 songs so i would play it on a constant loop and eventually that becomes white noise Hmm. and there is one particular song that i use every time i need to kill somebody off in a book or a story that I'm writing, if somebody needs to die, Don't Fear the Reaper is the song that has to play. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's the one, Don't Fear the Reaper. And it's kind of funny because I have a writing partner. So when we're writing and that song comes on, they're like, oh, somebody's dying. Somebody, are you okay? Kind of movie, what what happened? Somebody's dying. Who are you killing off and why? From now on, I think of that Saturday Saturday Night Live skit with Christopher Walken and um <laughs> Jimmy Fallon and um what is his name the main guy that does the cowbell I, I, uh, I thought Christopher Walken did the cowbell he's like no, more cowbell no, he says more cowbell he's the producer yeah. and um what's his name um oh the other guy yeah Will Ferrell Will Ferrell's the cowbell yes. guy he comes out playing the cowbell and uh um Christopher Walken is the producer comes out I don't know I need more cowbell Mm-hmm. He says, I got a fever, and the only cure is more cowbell. More cowbell, yeah. Now, that song I used to love because of the lyrics, and it used to be one of those songs that I would remember when, as I was growing up, but then Santa Life changed that for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Saturday night. Okay, for our generation, Saturday Night Live changed a lot of things for us. Uh, <laughs> there, there was one period of Saturday Night Live that I did not watch, and it was when um, Robert Downey Jr. was on the cast of Saturday Night Live. Believe it or not, mm. I didn't watch a lot of that, and it was complete trash. That's why they trashed the whole season and trash. I've, I've had a crush on Robert Downey Jr. since like forever. So I don't care what he His does. He's years. done some pretty bad things. Well, actually, <laughs> he is, actually, that he wasn't he wasn't part of that reason why the cast was so bad. Uh, no, was, that was the, just the, a bad yeah. season. Like, yeah, they once some good people came losing, out of that cast. Uh, yeah, once Julia, they started losing Chevy Chase and um, yeah, the original cast, Dana Carvey. Once they started losing them, they. It was almost like they were trying too hard to get the laughs that came so easy when they had the church lady, when they had, you know, um, Candy Graham. Well, what it is, is they they have to have a good blend of uh, the comical timing and they had to have a good blend of the writing. Conan O'Brien was a good writer. There was was a lot of good writers on that cast that were writers prior to coming out and doing the skits themselves. And I think the, the writers had a lot to do with uh, the success of the show. Um, and then the, the comedical timing was just perfect. Yeah, comedy's not an easy thing to do. Um, you have to be pretty sharp with your timing and with your delivery of the line. Like, you can't just deadpan the line. I could still watch this show. I I do run into it a couple of times. There was a period of time when I'd have to watch it like every weekend, but I'll watch it on Sunday morning opposed to Saturday Night Live. But um, I I love it for the music. The music was awesome. Always always cross that that, uh, generation. See, when I was back when it was in its heyday, um, I mean, that's when we were talking like Eddie Murphy and um John Belushi, like all of now, all Steve of Martin was a guest, but he was always on it. It was oh yeah, he was good. Um but Dan Arcord, Bill Murray during that time. Yeah, John Belushi. Yeah. Like back in that day, um when the music would come on because it was music for my parents at that point in time, that's when I would go and get my snack, I'd go to the bathroom, I'd check on my brother's sister, because I was babysitting. Right. My parents had gone out bowling. That was the only way I was allowed to watch Saturday Night Live because my parents weren't even home. So <laughs> I could watch it. I don't know um, why we watched it, but we're up watching it. I think my parents were asleep and we we're just up watching TV and yeah. at night. And that was yeah. kind of one of those shows that was kind of like a naughty it thing felt to like watch you were for doing a kid. Something wrong. Yeah. And getting yeah. away with it. Yeah. And so yeah. I would I would watch it. There's there's a lot of that TV back then that I Oh, yeah. Today. You look at the stuff from our generation and then you look at the people getting offended now. And it's like, oh, you never would have survived the 80s. Oh, no. Not even. Maybe. The, we had Andrew Dice Clay. We had Eddie Murphy. We had Sam Kinison. Thank you to my friend. for Andrew me. Dice Clay. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people hate him, but he was he was a really he would actually be at the comedy store here in L.A. Um, and he'd just show up on stage. And man, yeah, he packed that place like instantly. Oh yeah, he was. He he, was he gave a good show. I I I'll let you in on a little guilty pleasure of mine. 
um, Ford Fairlane. Oh, love that movie. That is like one of my absolute favorite movies. Nobody's even heard of it. I'm like, I know. You never heard of Ford Fairlane? There's so many. Car. There's so many different reasons I like that song. One, the car. Um, yeah, Andrew Jackson Clay, but Morris Day's was, in it. Morris Day's in that movie. Yeah, and yeah. That was like really, and that was yeah. yeah, yeah. But his character, like Ford Fairlane, was such a a removal from his comedic stand-up mm-hmm. persona that I mean, he was he was vulnerable. He was um, caring. He was you know he wasn't limerick man <laughs> you know what's that movie he, he was almost respectful there's a movie um gosh i can't remember names right now um it'll come back to me let's move on there's a movie that's more current that he's in that he's playing older uh father figure and it's like you wouldn't even recognize him yeah, the no. Or play, um, um uh, the playbook. Yeah, playbook. No. Yes, yeah, the playbook. It's it's yeah. it's something playbook. It's with um, gosh, I'm drawing blanks today with Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, what's her name? The, the young comedian that was the female in that movie. Um, geez, I'm drawing blanks today. Yeah. But but he plays a, a character that you wouldn't even recognize him because he's just mellow. He's playing an older father figure. So yeah, yeah, but yeah. Daniel Dicelay was one of my favorites when I used to watch the HBO comedy uh, series. He actually yeah. came out with uh, Ronnie Dangerfield because our Dangerfield has that's a, another uh, one. Yeah, I get no respect. Um, I, I should, <laughs> man, I love Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, and there was also Sam Kinison. Uh, yeah, there was Eddie Murphy. I mean, Eddie Murphy, he kind of, I don't know. Eddie Murphy, to His me. His stand-up was... He did... He, Delirious was hilarious. To this day, my family, we're still quoting Aunt Bunny. Yeah. I, you know, the shoe. Of, uh, Delirious. <laughs> that I, I we still well. quote Aunt Bunny. Um, and then when he did Raw, you can tell he How much he matured. Well, no. <laughs> um, it was very, um, as a woman, it was very um, aggressive. He, You could tell he had just come out of a really bad relationship and was really, really bitter. <laughs> I mean, it had its funny moments, but it wasn't the carefree, off-the-cuff Eddie from Delirious. He was angry. He was bitter. He was out for blood in Raw. Well, and that's where the kind of the name came from, is that he was Raw. There were two writers. One was um, uh, Townsend, and the other yeah. one was Wayan, um, the older Wayan's brother. Um, yeah. Wrote, I think they wrote both Delirious and, um, and Raw. And um, that was right after the uh in living color was big and so breaking out from that and trying to go into uh the comedy busting out into like more adult comedy which it couldn't do on on in living color but i like that show oh i love that show yeah they were supposed to do a reunion i think they're still doing it 
Uh, there's oh, a couple awesome. of people missing from the re reunion. Uh, David Allen Greer is going to be missing, but I think all of all the original cast is coming together, and they've been talking about this before the pandemic that they're mm -hmm. going to come on and do it, and they even have a picture of them all together. And, and nice. I mean, yeah, um, I would love to see that uh, come back. Yeah, yeah. But they produced so much after that with the younger brothers doing movies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like I was, I don't know. I look at their. I look at the younger brothers movies right when they came out from *Benjamin Color*, and there's a lot of stuff that they would not be able to do today that they did back then. There's like, I was at my sister's a couple of weeks ago, and my brother-in-law had put on *The Muppet Show*. <laughs> I used to love *The Muppet Show*. I I'm a, watched I'm a big, show I'm a big fan of *The Muppet Show* all the time. Kermit is my frog. Mm -hmm. I have a book actually that I showed a friend of mine that I got when I was ten or eleven. Um, called the Miss Piggy's Guide to Life. Mm -hmm. And I watch the Muppet Show all the time. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching the Muppet Show with my three-year-old nephew. And I can't remember the chick that was the guest star, but she's dancing around this bar as she's singing this song, doing shots. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's not quite appropriate for little kids. Well, the, all right. the Muppet Show was a primetime show. It was never meant to be for it. little kids. It was, so it, then come upstairs the next morning and hear them up at show again. And I hear them doing a Ray Stevens song. I am my own grandpa. And oh, awesome. We were being taught about that when we were that age. Great. Our parents never clued. They didn't care. Well, I think, I think they allowed us to watch it because it was the Muppets, but I don't th think it was ever intended to be for children a children's audience because of the time that came on it was a prime time show it was on at seven o'clock i thought it came on like at around eight o'clock but but still it was a nighttime show it wasn't a daytime like saturday night, a saturday morning saturday night live. yeah anything yeah. taboo was on after nine o'clock anything that was family friendly was on before nine o'clock so, you know, parents throw their kids after their bath in front of the TV to watch the Muppet show while they go and, you know, make their Ryan Coke to get them through until bedtime. Um, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I was I was like, all right, so that would not be allowed to be aired today. <laughs> There's a, a, even some of the cartoons they banned. They've taken a lot out of the Warner Brother cartoons. Um, uh, oh, the no, the Lincolns <laughs> lost so much of their their cartoons uh from the past um and the thing that i think about all of that that upsets me the most is it's our generation that raised that and, to raise the ones that are, are are having the censorships and the you can't do that it's not this it's not that Um, no. <laughs> to me, it's kind of like erasing history. I mean, that, yes. those are shows that I You can't erase it, you need to learn you, from you, it. Yeah, you, you learn from it. Okay, Yeah. some of the things shouldn't have gone by then, but don't just get rid of it. But yeah. The fact of getting rid of it, because some people feel offended. If you feel offended, don't watch it. And if you feel offended, look at why you feel offended, and don't make that mistake now. Yeah. You know, like from stuff, but... Archie Bunker, All in the Family. 
it shone a light on a lot of things that were wrong in that time. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get that removed from all of the, because it's racist, because it's this, because it's that. But if you watch the show, yeah, he starts out as a bigot. But Archie his son-in-law Blizzard is Jewish. Played he hand learned at the same time as the Jeffersons. The Jeffersons were yes. actually on yes. Archie Bunker. Yes, and that's what I'm saying is throughout the process of that show, Archie's character changes. He becomes more educated. He becomes more tolerant. He becomes more understanding, and his opinions change. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very good. Um, but it's also an understanding of who he is being a bigot towards and then putting themselves forward and getting yeah, cast as like, bigotry and then yes. stepping forward and, and stopping his bigotry. Yes. I, I mean, he, it wasn't like he was bigot and they shut them down completely. No, there was a, yeah. there, there was a meaning to every... Called his son-in-law meathead. Yeah. My dad called all my friends meathead. Well, that was actually, no, let me rephrase that. My dad only called the ones he liked meathead. meathead. I remember a best friend asking me, we were in grade four or grade five. She's like, I don't think your dad likes me. Why? Because he always calls me meathead. Well, because he likes you and he can't remember your name. If he didn't like you. He just wouldn't talk to you because he's not very good with names, but he likes you. So he calls you meathead. <laughs> you should hear what he calls me. Yeah. There's a lot of shows like that back then that I wish they would... They can't continue them, but they can make shows like that today, but they don't. They, they stay away from the controversy. They stay away from it. And then Everything has been censored to the point where there's nothing good on TV anymore. <clears throat> Not just nothing good on TV, but you can't even go see a comedy show without um, listening to the comedian be a comedian. Yeah. Just let him be a comedian. They may say say things that are racist, but they are also funny. And because they're not particularly making fun of one specific person, or or they may be making fun of one specific person, but it's all in comedy and in jokes. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say racism is funny, but there are ways of telling a joke Mm -hmm. and it being a joke, being funny and delivering that humor um without having to be racist i don't i'm not i I, yeah i can't do racism i'm not not blatant you know but sometimes a joke is just a joke you know there's one comedian today who is still doing the same content of jokes that he's always done that's dave chappelle he gets away with it for so for some reason, and he's able to. I don't think they know how to censor him. I don't think he can. <laughs> That's one yeah. And, and I would say hand in hand with Chris Rock, but not the same. Dave Chappelle will get away with so much more than what even Chris Rock would get away with. Yeah, yeah. Howard Stern's another one. He can. He had the ability to say whatever came there was no filter between the brain and the mouth yeah but they went after him but i i don't think that they penetrated him hard enough to where he stopped 
but he no, he did, just learned how to did, reword yeah, what he was saying. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it right there. <laughs> Howard Stern was not a stupid man by any stretch of the imagination. He started out with a lot of what he said for shock value. He was a shock jock. That's what he was. And it became so popular. And then when they started censoring him, he found loopholes around how he could still say what he wanted to say, still be as crude as he wanted to be, as crude as he could be, still talk about, you know, boobs and butt and everything else and do it in a way that when he was on regular network television really late night that was another one of those shows that you have to stay up really really howard stern show i think it was like 1 a.m i think it was on channel 13 k kel here yeah something like that yeah we stay up late watching that that one was one of those shows that you don't let mom know you're watching that show yeah we used to um they used to play it on the radio station here q107 and it would be on, he used to do Psychedelic Sunday on Q107. And he would be the radio DJ all day. You didn't miss Psychedelic Sunday. You got up like 6 a.m., went to church, did your thing, came home, locked yourself in your room, put the towel underneath the gap so that none of the sound escaped. And you listened to Psychedelic Sunday. And after Psych- Psychedelic Sunday usually ended around 11 p.m. And then they would air the Howard Stern show. So I would fall asleep around two o'clock. You could usually tell the kids that stayed up and listened to the Howard Stern show Monday morning. Cause we're all like, Oh, I need to sleep. Like math class. All right. Good night. <laughs> this is why I suck in math because math class was always Monday morning, first class. So I would sleep through math class. There's another show like that real late at night. I think it's Morton Downey. Yeah. We, <laughs> I don't know if, well, you guys had um, Dr. Ruth Vestheimer. Oh, yeah, Dr. Ruth. She did her show. We had, (laughs) now, this show is actually on at like nine o'clock at night on a Sunday night. And depending on how open your household was, depended on whether or not you watched it with your parents or you sat in the hallway and they didn't know that you were there listening while they watched it. And it was called Sunday Night Sex with Sue. Now, she was a little more in-depth than Dr. Ruth. She actually came with props. Yeah, the name sounds weird. Was she on a Canadian network or? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think she was cool. on our version of PBS or something like that. But yeah, Sunday night sex with Sue. <laughs> if you I get crossed, a chance, Google it. I crossed the the, the Canadian border one time, and um, is that Niagara Falls? And I remember That's where most people cross. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, being at the hotel, and your censorship is so much more it has so much more freedom than American <laughs> television. I mean, so much more freedom. Oh, have you so, ever watched I mean, and you didn't have to pay for it. You just turn on TV and it's like, whoa, what's this? Yeah, it's there. Yeah. Have you ever watched British TV? I love British TV. You have to remember that at one point in time, Canada was under British rule. Oh. The queen is still our monarch. We still pay allegiance to our queen. So we still follow a lot of British Nothing is taboo on British TV. They don't even censor the swearing on British TV. Yeah, I know. 
great. <laughs> I My love it. Favorite British show, and it comes from the early 80s, was called The Young Ones. MTV would air it. MTV that. would air it. And there were British shows like um, a, a preppy new wave guy, there was a punk guy, there was a hippie guy, and they all lived under one house. And there was a straight a straight guy, like just straight cut suit guy. Yeah. And they would live under one house and there was no rules. And the, the punk guy was always nasty and just like crude. And they would just do some crude, bizarre things, but it was hilarious. Yeah. It's called the young ones. And and I I think uh there is a network that was trying to bring it back just recently, just trying the, the old episodes. But yeah, that was that was my, always my favorite. Uh, I watch a lot of um, I don't know. I'm weird. <laughs> I love uh, reality shows, like, but I I can't stand American reality. I'm sorry, I can't stand American reality shows. I can't stand Canadian reality. Sh- I was on a reality show. Oh, really? I did an episode of um, Outlaw In Laws with Ellie Tesher. And what they do is they basically, they take two in-laws that are squabbling. They put them on the show. They set up scenarios and they try and get the two in-laws to talk. And it was me and my sister-in-law. Now, what they didn't realize is that me and my sister-in-law, they, they offered us each a thousand dollars to do the show. We're like, all right, you're going to bring in Molly Maid, clean my house. Perfect. You're going to pay me a thousand dollars. You're going to shoot for four days in my house great you're going to cater the entire event for four days even better on the very first day i scared the gopher and he showed up every morning with coffee for me awesome (laughs) i got to see my ex in makeup now my ex is a very man's man so just putting the foundation on to be able to be on camera that is a memory I am going to cherish for the rest of my life. <laughs> it was great. Um, oh yeah, and then they they um, had Molly Maid come back in after. It's a cleaning service. I don't know if you have Molly Maid. Yes, you do. Yeah. Molly Maid. Um, they're everywhere. But um, then they had a cleaning service come in after and clean up. And the fact that I got to torment my neighbors who we were my my neighbors and I were in a constant feud. He was Greek and he was the stereotypical Greek male that women don't speak. You cook, you clean, you bear the children, you don't have opinions. And he didn't quite know how to take me because I have very strong opinions. I'm very nature loving. If you're out there digging a hole on my property, I'm going to be standing toe to toe with you going, what the hell dude? I'm five foot three. He was six foot and about as wide. um, it was great because they put this film on the windows so that you can see out but nobody can see in two weeks after filming wrapped um, we had bought a van and two weeks after filming wrapped this brand new van shows up in my driveway and um, my nosy neighbor his wife she's standing and she I'm backing out of the driveway and the whole time we're filming they're like across the street looking like this trying to see in the windows and they couldn't see anything. And the last scene that was filmed was in the front yard and they had the big boom camera and the boom, like a whole nine yards. And they did this whole, um, this is before they, they used um, drones. So they did this whole 
thing in the front yard where we're saying goodbye to Ellie and she's leaving and my sister-in-law are kind of standing there arm in arm and we're all supposed to be lovey-dovey and the kids are all playing and then they raise up and do that long shot from the sky so of course my neighbors are in their driveway just watching right so this van shows up two weeks later and as i'm backing out the wife actually comes onto my property and she's standing right beside the van she's trying to look in the house and i just rolled the window down tinted windows she looks at me and i said it's okay porn pays and drove away (laughs) (laughs) but reality tv in canada and in america is not reality tv every single scene on that show was scripted yeah they didn't say here's your lines they sat us down and they said okay well they sat us and they sat us down separately they sat me down and said okay this is what she said this is how we want you to react this is what you need to do and they would go to her and say okay this is what she said this is how we want you to react and then they would put us in the same room and then they would Sometimes alcohol would have that effect too. They'd, here's a couple of drinks for you guys before you get into the scene. <laughs> that actually is, is, you are not far off there. My ex was a big brewer. He would make um, mead, which is a honey wine. Mm. And that was one of the things, because it's one of the things that he did. And um, the whole premise was... Um, my sister-in-law had an issue with my spirituality and how we were raising the kids and where I dragged her brother. Um, so that was the big fight. So they, they went to a local brewery and they, he got to brew this big batch of, of mead and everything. And they actually had to get, because they wanted to be able to taste test it after. Well, it takes like six months for mead to be ready to even think about bottling most mead sits for up to a year so they actually had to go and buy wine and fill up this great big carboy with wine wow. <laughs> they did like 16 takes and by the time they finally got the take between donna my sister-in-law and phil my ex they, yeah the two of them are like woohoo because neither one of them drank wine <laughs> yeah what a lot of people don't know and and what they don't see is for somebody to be heard, they would need to be mic'd. Oh, yeah. Oh, our sound guy, mic'd. Chris. Oh, I tell you, our sound guy, Chris, that man had secrets and stories. We completely forgot at one point in time that we were mic'd, my sister-in-law and I. We had done our scene. We were in the living room. We'd done our scene. Director said, cut. And her and I kind of scurried around the stairs and up the stairs. And we're like... <laughs> And we're whispering back and forth. And she's like, okay, so this is what we're going to do for the next one. This is how we're going to do it. And we come back down the stairs and Chris is sitting in the chair and he's got his great big, huge sound box sitting on his lap. He's got his headphones on. He's looking at the two of us going, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. heard everything. What they don't um, realize my ex- when you when you see somebody walk into a front door into their own house, Unlocking yep. the door, and there's a cameraman inside the house filming. Yep, that's totally scripted. That's they had, scripted. It's all scripted. Like, it's like you don't really. Do, do, what do you think? They have cameras already in their house. When and Ellie what do you think? Up. They're always mic'd. Yeah, the opening scene of the show when Ellie shows up. Okay, there's the picture. There's the 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 scene of me from behind 
you're standing behind me. Mm-hmm. I'm opening the door and I'm like, oh, hey, hi, how are you? We weren't expecting you. Come on in. Uh, cameraman's behind me. Obviously, I was expecting Don't her. cut. Let's do it from the other angle. Yes, let's do it from another <laughs> angle. Like every single shot took. Yeah. Three or four takes because it had to be don't different angles. That. People don't understand. That's the production of the show. Yeah. Every show is and produced, every show is scripted, and every show is choose, edited. And you they have to don't choose edit, your outfits. And they edit the parts that they want to show. Yep. Even oh, yeah. Giggling, oh, they totally there, did. There might be a part where you're giggling at a cat running by, and they'll have you on the show giggling at the, they on the show. made me out to look like I was some crazy devil worshiping now how can we catch that show um if you go to the slice network it's called uh toil and trouble we are actually in reruns we are one of the last i heard a couple of years ago we are actually one of the most popular reruns (laughs) for that show toil and trouble toil and trouble toil toil t-o-i-l you know like cauldron yeah Oil and bubble, toil and trouble. Yeah. Wow, interesting. I, because I gotta, back then I, I was, back then I was, I was very pagan. I was very much into Wicca and, you know, because the sitcoms, all of that sitcoms really, really suck. Sitcoms are bad, and because sitcoms are bad, reality TV is taking over. And oh, I this would be think, great. I think, I think it goes hand in hand. Sitcoms. <laughs> were lost because of the reality shows and yeah they're trying to come back as something funny and it's not i miss but, the sitcom but yes. I'll, I'll tell you one more story about about the uh reality show that i did there is a scene that you'll watch and we're at the wine marsh we're supposed to be working together learning to work together on this scavenger hunt and they had given us this gps thing and coordinates so we had to put the coordinates in the gps and follow the map through the wine marsh and find each clue to the next you know They'd given us a broken GPS. Yeah, they gave us a broken GPS. Mm. So the scenes that you see of us running down the boardwalk and walking through and finding stuff are all completely scripted. It's like, okay, we're just going to go to the next spot and you're going to pretend that you found it and then you're going to get to the end here she gives. And the only part about that entire scene that was not scripted, there were two gifts waiting at the end, one for her and one for me. I open mine and I'm like, ooh. And she opens hers and she's like, ooh. And we looked at each other and went, oh, and swapped. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up with the picture of the sunflower. She ended up with the goofy scented candle. Yeah, my, my daughters would do that during Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, um, but I wanted to talk about your book before we. Uh, leave. Yeah. The chosen. I guess that was the whole premise of the, uh, of the interview. Oh, no, I told you this is all. Whatever we talk about. But I do want to get your book in. Uh, the Chosen. It's the newer of the two. That's, you just that's the new one. The Chosen. Okay. When was that released? And because this was released December of 2020. 20, yes. December 2020. Um, you can get it on, on mythmark.com. And if you actually really like it and you want to get a t-shirt, I have a Teespring account. You can go to my Instagram. You can go to my TikTok, and the What's link your is Instagram? in the My Instagram is at Stephanie Barbie Author. 
and my the link to my link tree is there. And then um, this one you can also get at Myth Mart. That's Eternally Bound. That's the first one. I'm in the process of writing the second one in the trilogy. And then this is the same book, different cover. Again, available at Myth Mart. Um, it's easier if you're in the United States to buy from Myth Mart. If you're from Canada, go to Amazon.ca. But if you want to support authors and artists, Myth Mart actually gives us a bigger chunk of the royalties than, you know, say the big box <clears throat> sellers. <laughs> so MythMart.com. And, and MythMart, I'm, I'm, we're all part of MythMart. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jazo Mod is a um, podcast of, of MythMart. That's where um, you will see uh my public life as american nerd yes Lupa's bits as well Lupa's bits the t-shirt is there and uh, the, the new one that myth. just went up is um the new t-shirt that just went up is the world of myth bits they now have a t-shirt as well so now you will be there at scare fair on october 25th you're gonna have uh, i'm sorry october Please, 30th october 30th <laughs> be there october 30th probably, if you go the 25th nobody I, will be there no, I will probably October be in 30th. California on the 25th, but I will definitely be at Scarefair on the 30th. Yeah, be at Scarefair on October 30th, 9 a.m. to 9 yes. p.m. You will have a booth. Uh, I will. Mythmart will have its own booth as well. It'll be the first booth yep. when you come in. You'll be over with the artist uh, area, with the celebrities. Yep. Now, I want to mention some celebrities. Uh, some of the oh, that are going to be there. There's a couple are, that I'm really excited about. John Masari from he's a composer from um, the Killer Clowns. Lisa Wilcox, she's from. She's Nameron I I met her. I, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, Joe Bob Briggs from The Last Drive-In on Shutter, and also um, Darcy, the male girl, will be there as well. Um, we have Walter Fiedlin from House of a Thousand Corpses, known as Dr. Satan. Um, Eileen. Yeah, as long as he doesn't come dressed as Dr. Satan, I will be okay. Um, he does that, and I'm really, really, <laughs> he really comes dressed contemplating as having him come. Under my table, bawling. <laughs> we, we've talked about it, and I... I don't know oh that he could do it, but I, I'm not sure. I, I want him to be able to walk around freely as well. Yeah, because that's kind but, of a constricting, you know. But um, yeah, I'm I'm thinking about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna be I I will admit I'm a nervous Nelly when it comes to horror. I enjoy certain horror, so I'm I'm excited, but I'm I'm. We will have packing my pillow so that I can go through Scarefair like this. We will have about <laughs> 20 performers, characters walking oh, around. Oh, I'm going to We're um, going to have Trix the Clown. She's going to be on a stilt. I'm She's gonna need be a Prozac to get through the day. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of people that, that, that love them, love to see them, love to follow them. And there's those that will be terrified, but um, they're going to be roaming around. They're also going to be in Psychotic, the Carnival the- of Thrills. The thing be... about Scarefair is it's a safe environment to be afraid oh, yeah. in. Yeah. So that's why I'm excited because I know I can go. I can have the pants scared off of me. I can do the whole girly scream because I'm sure if somebody comes up behind me and touches me, you are going to see the whole cartoon running on the spot, hands in the air, girly squee, <laughs> gone. That'll be just cloud of dust. But um, there will be comic writers there as well. Comic writers who kind of... Yeah want to make this a comic uh, but kind of like a comic-con 
meets uh, um, a horror fest. Yeah. Um, Stephanie, you're going to be we, there. Yep. Um, and then we've got the two bands that night to kind of blow off some steam and dance and yeah. have a good time. We have uh, Roadwork, who is a cover band that plays uh, the more popular type of music. And then we also have um, uh, American Zombie, who is a Rob Zombie cover band who's going to be um, performing the last show. And they are they look, sound, and act just like Rob Zombie. The, um, they're going to cover every, every song, every popular song from his uh, albums. They play Dragula, I Will Be a Happy Camper. They're going to play Dragula. I think <laughs> a lot of the booths, okay. Um, a lot of the vendors are allowed to close down at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. and are allowed to go see the show as well. But there mm-hmm. are vendors who will prefer to still cater to those visiting those ticket holders that still want yeah. to walk around midnight madness yeah so i used to be yeah and there's going to be a, a day filled with different events there's going to be oh yeah the, the uh, rocky horror contest. picture show with the audience participation if bring you your toast yeah if you haven't attended <laughs> that, they are very fun there's going to be a um cosplay costume contest with uh, uh lisa wilcox she's going to be the judge of that and the picture show my vampire then from universal studios they're going to be there doing a live podcast as well very hilarious funny uh, girls they will be there hosting the scream king contest mm-hmm. so those are the acts um be there scare fair october 30th stephanie is great talking to you great getting yes, to know you great getting to get a lot of uh information nice to talk you. outside of the board Oh yeah, I, I we talk all the time, and it's never. Well, I wouldn't say it's never this pleasurable, but we're always talking business. I'll be honest, so, it's never this fun. And it goes for three hours, four hours. I'm like, oh my right? gosh, it's together on a Sunday afternoon. So right, Sunday evening for me. Oh, I'm eating dinner at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And uh, uh, the Grim Life Collective will be there too. I think you'll have some things to talk to them about because they oh, yeah. their show is awesome if you haven't had a chance to see it on youtube it, they do some awesome stuff they they go yeah. to some really creepy places graveyards famous people's houses that have passed and uh, they go ghost hunting as well and mm-hmm. so. okay goodbye everybody we had fun i will thanks see for you having me Peter. bye you're welcome bye Sarah. bye